Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 40-something, sorry, 80-something, 87 of Chalk Talk, brought to you by The Painted Lines. I am your host, Shane Half. You can give me a follow on Twitter at halfandhalf underscore TPL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well. Uh, the Eagles are a first place team, and this is a first place podcast. Absolutely. And that does not mean, however, that we will be taking next week off. We'll be dedicated to you guys. <laughs> we'll cover all of your teams that did not make a first round bye. We'll talk about them next week just so you can, you know, stay tuned into us. But yeah, the Eagles clinched the one seed. Uh, we are going to have a little bit different show today for you guys. Uh, first of all, we're not going to lead off with the Eagles game mostly because we're not actually going to talk about the Eagles game, which might seem strange. But let me tell you what we're going to do today. Uh, today, we are going to review a few of the relevant games from Week 18, some of the win and end, the decider, the elimination games. So we got about five games that we're going to run through from Week 18. Then we're going to change gears. We're going to go into a segment we're calling Fixing Your Franchise. And so we divided up teams. Mark's going to take the AFC. I'm going to take the NFC. Uh, we're going to give your team one last shot to appear on the podcast uh, for the next several weeks. Obviously, when we get into draft stuff, we'll be back to talking about other teams as well. Uh, but we're going to go through every team that did not make the playoffs, and we're going to give you a few action items, the must-do the must do things for these teams this offseason to fix their franchise. So we'll run through all 18 non-playoff contenders, uh, and then we're going to briefly preview the wildcard matchups next weekend. And so if that sounds like a lot, it is, and I have no idea how long this show is going to go, so we're going to dive right in. And we're going to start off with the Saturday night game. It was the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Winner wins the AFC South. Winner gets to host a playoff game. The loser goes home, and Jacksonville gets the job done, winning 20-16. to 16. Um, I was watching this game, and, man, it just felt like the Jags weren't going to get it done. They didn't hold a lead until there was under three minutes left in the fourth quarter but they did find a way to win their fifth straight game. Uh, they win the division for the first time since 2017 when they made an AFC title game run with Blake Bortles under center. And I won't say it looked like Blake Bortles under center. I won't disrespect Trevor Lawrence like that, but they did largely rely on their defense in this game as they did in 2017. Uh, the offense only scored two field goals in the second half. Uh, they only ran 15 plays on their final four drives, excluding kneel downs. But the defense and the special teams picked up the slack. Uh, Jamal Agnew averaged 31 yards uh, per kickoff return. He had a 22-yard punt return that set up uh, the Jaguars. And the defense only allowed 116 yards and three points in the second half. They also had a defensive touchdown that took that lead with 251 remaining as Josh Allen had a scoop and score off of a strip sack. So, the Jaguars are in. Uh, congratulations to Doug Peterson. I'm really excited to see what they're able to do in the playoffs next week. Yeah, I feel like everything that I would say about the Jags is what we're going to touch on when we preview the playoff game. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Um, but yeah, definitely a little concerning that this wasn't a more convincing victory uh, against a Titans team that has really struggled down the stretch. And with the Jags team that has really been hot down the stretch, obviously the line, I think, was at minus six and a half, minus seven. I stayed away because I thought there was potential for this to be an ugly close game. 
And that's exactly what we got. Vrabel went down with a fight, but that team just wasn't talented enough. Um, and obviously you have the fumble that basically wins Jacksonville the game. And it's surprising to see that it was Jacksonville's defense and not their offense that came through. So I guess you could come out of it saying, you know, if your glass half empty, you probably walk out of this game feeling worse about the Jaguars than you did walking in. But then you could say glass half full, you probably feel better about the defense than you did coming in, being able to make that play and being able to hold Tennessee, I think, you know, pretty in check in the second half, especially. So uh, you could look at it both ways. I'm probably in the middle on it. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we preview Chargers Jags. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there's also something to be said for divisional opponents and those games can often be dogfights, which we'll get into a little bit as well, because we've got several divisional rematches uh, on wildcard weekend. But uh, let's keep it rolling here. We'll go to the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills eliminated the Patriots from the playoffs with a 35-23 to 23 win. Naheem Hines was the story in this game. Uh, he returns the opening kickoff, 96 yards for a touchdown. Then in the third quarter, he had a 101-yard touchdown return as well. Like Later in the game, the Patriots literally kicked the ball off out of bounds just to avoid giving him another shot. Uh, on the... On the Patriots side, Mac Jones made some plays in this game, but he had costly interceptions, including one at the goal line and then his final throw of the year. So he ended with 243 yards and three touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions. We'll get into the Patriots more in fixing your franchise, but uh, disappointing, but altogether not unexpected result in this one. Yeah, the one thing I will say is, you could probably make an argument if you're a Patriots fan that this game was at least like played evenly, or or you could even say that the Patriots might have outplayed them in some capacities. Uh, but the fact is, this game, more than any game I've ever seen, kind of gives Team of Destiny vibes. And, and I've been pretty vocal that I think the Bills are not quite on the same level as the Chiefs and the Bengals. I think they're more on that Eagles 49ers tier. But Obviously, with everything that happened and the tragedy uh, with DeMar Hamlin and obviously the great news with it later and how the team sort of has, I think, galvanized and rallied around such a terrible event and, you know, everything going so positively after the fact. Uh, that's, you know, a kickoff return after everything that happened after a week off after a canceled game. That's, you know, TV show, movie, storybook type stuff. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, but on the football aspect side of things, taking that kind of out of it, uh, you know, the bills did return two kicks to, to win this game, uh, without that, the score is 23, 21, obviously they would have gotten offensive possessions instead of kick returns, but, uh, the, and even the interceptions that they got, two of them were very much, uh, tipped picks and one was pretty much in a Pat's hand and like volleyed to a bill basically. So, uh, not, uh, I didn't think Mac Jones played poorly in this game, um, even though I'm pretty negative on Mac Jones at this point. Uh, but uh, I thought the Patriots played well in this game. You know, uh, you're not going to win when someone returns two kicks and when Josh Allen has two deep bombs that are two of the best throws of the year. Yeah, yeah, that you said it well. And a disappointing result for Patriots fans uh, missing the playoffs here. Uh, They've got some work to do this offseason, but we'll get into that uh, momentarily here. Let's go on to another game. It was the Jets 
at the Dolphins. This one had implications for the Dolphins and the Steelers. If the Dolphins won, they were in. If they lost, the Steelers were in. And the Dolphins were able to pull off the win in one of the most disgusting football games of the year, 11-6. to uh, That is a real score of a football game that happened in 2023. Uh, obviously, Tua is still in concussion protocol. Teddy Bridgewater was active but did not play with a throwing hand injury. So Skylar Thompson, the rookie, was under center for the Dolphins, and they gutted out an awful game. They snap a five-game losing streak, and they sort of, I guess you can't say backdoor into the playoffs because they won their game, but they squeak into the playoffs as a seven seed where they'll face off with the Bills uh, next weekend. Yeah, the funny thing is if everything was normal with Tua, I think people would be saying, oh, wow, you know, the Dolphins beat the Bills in their first game, and in their second game it was a, a classic that went down to the wire and they lost by a field goal. But with everything going on with the Dolphins and with everything going on with Tua, it's hard to imagine this game going well for the Dolphins. Uh, even if Tua comes back, who, who knows how rusty he would be. And I think it's medically malpractice for Tua to come back, to be quite honest. Uh, but, you know, good for them, I guess, for getting to the playoffs. And for all the negativity I've seen on Mike McDaniel on Twitter and, you know, out there on football, it's just... It's ridiculous. The guy has had a, an absolute terrible hand dealt to him in terms of the injuries Tua's had. And then not only Tua's injuries, but Teddy's injuries as the backup. You'd have to imagine they try to get Teddy Bridgewater ready to play this game in the wild card round if Tua doesn't play. I've also heard Tua probably will play. So uh, who knows what's going on with Miami. That, that place is a mess. Uh, hopefully, you know, Hopefully, Tua doesn't play, to be quite honest, and hopefully they get Teddy Bridgewater ready to play. Yeah, it's it should not be expected for a, a coach, a first-year head coach at that, to do well with a third-string rookie quarterback. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's doing it. We've already established the fact that Kyle Shanahan is a QB whisperer. Uh, to expect Mike McDaniel to have his offense looking good with Skylar Thompson, that's just not going to happen. That's unreasonable. So, uh I'm a big McDaniel fan. I think he's had a really good year. Uh, the Tua thing, the Tua issues, that, that's that's first and foremost. Uh, and I'm with you. Tua shouldn't play in this game. Three concussions already this year. He's been in concussion protocol for a couple weeks. Um, I, it's, just, it's just not worth that. Uh, but hopefully Teddy Bridgewater will be able to play, and hopefully he can make a competitive game against the Bills. But we'll get into that uh, again when we preview here momentarily uh the second to last game we want to cover here is the rams at the seahawks this was a win and end game for the seahawks and they barely squeaked by the rams it took them overtime to do it but they went they win 19 to 16 uh, awful game the teams were a combined five of 25 on third down geno smith was 19 of 31 for 213 yards and a touchdown he had two interceptions uh, kenneth walker was held under four yards per carry i feel like you've seen regression in the Seahawks uh, in terms of their offensive line over the last several weeks. And now they draw a brutal matchup in the first round with the 49ers, but uh, it's hard to feel good about the Seahawks heading in as they've really stumbled down the stretch, but they do make the playoffs and, and that's not something that you expected uh, going into the season by any means you expected them to be, you know, one of the five or six worst teams in the, in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if people didn't hate, if people didn't hate Pete Carroll, he would be the coach of the year 
or he would at least be in the conversation for coach of the year, but that's never going to happen because people do not like Pete Carroll. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Seattle stinks. This team has no chance to beat San Fran. Um, I, I don't feel, I, I think I, alongside of a lot of football fans and alongside of, I guess, NBC executives were very much rooting for the Rams to, to win that game, to make Sunday night football win and in, uh, so we get Detroit or Green Bay in a winner-go-home matchup. Uh, and now, we, and then we would have Detroit in the playoffs, which I think is a much more fun storyline than Seattle. Or even if Green Bay would have made the playoffs, that would have been a much more fun storyline than Seattle. Uh, instead, uh, that's a pretty brutal game uh, for Seattle-San Fran to kick off wildcard weekend. Yeah, yeah. that's. I don't anticipate that being a good game, but you never know. Uh, and then you mentioned it, Detroit-Green Bay. The, the night game, Sunday night football. Uh, Detroit had their hopes spoiled by Seattle winning, but they could still play spoiler against the Packers, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, they knock off the Packers 20-16. to 16. Uh, They came out and played like a team that was playing for their playoff life, even though they weren't. Uh, very, very dedicated to keeping the Packers out of the playoffs, and I love that fight. Uh, the, their sole goal was to keep – the Packers out. And even Dan Campbell said that he's like, we just don't want them to make it. So uh, the future, I think for Detroit is bright. They won eight of their last 10 games to close the year. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson climbed to nine and a half sacks. So a slow start to the year, but he almost finishes with double digit sacks. Jamal Williams scored two touchdowns in this game against the team that drafted him in the Packers. And he did it while breaking Barry Sanders single season touchdown rushing record for Detroit. Uh, for Green Bay, they're all, it's the story of the year, but their offense just stalled too often. They kicked field goals on their first three drives. Uh, they had a fumble in Detroit territory and a missed field goal on their next two drives. They were just unable to get the ball into the end zone, and it cost them a chance at the playoffs. And so now we're in for a wild offseason of speculation about what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and what's going to happen with this Packers franchise. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I'm going to focus on the other side of things here with Detroit, and you, you just got to be kicking yourself for some of the losses they've had this year. Uh, if you just would have figured out a way to win on Thanksgiving, or if you, I know that's the bill, so that's a tough game, but if you would have figured out a way to not show up flat against Carolina a, a few weeks ago, uh, there's been so many. I think they had a close loss to the Vikings. There, there's been so many brutal losses for Detroit this year. Uh, if they just figured out a way to win one of those, they're in the playoffs, and potentially – if they would have won another game, I guess they actually would have been the sixth seed, right? Because the Giants, yeah, they would have been the sixth seed playing Minnesota. Um, so that, I mean, that's a that's a sliding doors moment right there for them if they didn't show up completely flat against Carolina a few weeks ago. Yeah, it, it's a, what could have been for uh, the Lions. But I do think the future is bright. We're going to get into mm-hmm. the Lions here in a moment. Uh, as we go to fixing our franchise. But before we move on to that, uh, Mark, is there anything else that you want to call out from Week 18, any other game, or uh, any thoughts you have on Week 18 before we move into the teams that missed the playoffs? Um, uh, Not really. I guess we're going to touch on Carolina when you talk about them. Sam Darnold had one of the worst quarterback performances of all time. I just wanted to mention that. Literally 43 yards. (laughs) Quarterback is still a need. uh, And they won the game. So shout out to the Panthers for, for helping, <laughs> for helping out our pick. Yeah, we do. Well, actually, no, I mean, I guess it did help the pick, but the Panthers, the Panthers, wait, the Panthers picked before the 
Saints, correct? Yeah, but they beat the Saints. So if the Saints would have won, I'm I'm assuming that that pick would have jumped. Yeah, um, that's right. But so I'm taking a look at it now. I mean, we have the tenth pick and the first eight and nine teams at fourteen. So we could have potentially had the fourteenth or fifteenth pick if New Orleans would have won that game. All right. Well, shout out to the Panthers then for helping helping the Eagles out. So yeah, uh, we're gonna. Oh, go ahead. Real quick, I actually have a question. I know you like the draft chart. I, I don't know if you want to try to pull up the draft chart on how much picks mean, but let's say uh, I'm taking a look at it. So the Saints' strength of schedule was 507. That would have put them at the fifth. We would have been the 15th pick um, if the Saints win that game. What's the difference between the 15th pick and the 10th pick? Okay, so the 10th pick is worth 1300 points per the draft value chart. The 15th is worth 1005. That's a difference in 250 points, uh, which is the equivalent of a top f- uh, the fifth pick in the third round. So it's equivalent of a high third round pick. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's low to be honest. Yeah. I think that's a low valuation. I feel like people trade up more to move up from 15 to 10 or to move up five picks in that range or in, in you know, that amount of picks all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So shout out to the Panthers uh, helping us out here. Uh, we do really appreciate it. So, okay. Well, we are turning the page. We are saying goodbye to 18 teams. 18 teams seasons are over. Only 14 teams matter. But before before we cast these teams off into the sunset, we just want to take a moment to remember them and their journeys in 2023. okay enough of that so we're going to go into a segment here we're calling fixing your franchise and uh, before we put these teams to bed and like i said at the beginning we'll get back into them in the draft cycle but it'll be all about covering the playoffs for the next month and a half but we did want to talk about each of these teams that missed the playoffs and kind of the big situations facing each team this offseason the big moves that we think they should make so i've got the nfc teams Mark has the AFC teams, and we're just going to go in the draft order here and kind of talk about some of these teams. So we'll start off with the Chicago Bears, who now hold the number one overall pick, courtesy of the Houston Texans. Levy Smith throwing a big middle finger up to management who informed him before the game that he was going to be fired uh, after the game. I don't know if you'd heard that report, Mark, but apparently Levy Smith was informed prior to the game that he would be fired. And so just throws a middle, big middle finger up to the Texans, wins the game, and costs them the number one overall pick. You hate to see it. And so the Bears now sit here at the number one overall pick. They have $120 million in cap space for 2023. Mark, do you, you want to guess how much cap space the second place team has? How much? $68 million. <laughs> They have $52 million more than the second most team. And so... Obviously, free agency comes before the draft. You need to spend wisely. I don't don't want to see the Bears do what the Jags did last year and hand out some of the ridiculous contracts that they did, although obviously it helped uh, the Jags get to the playoffs. But you need to spend wisely, but you've got to get Justin Fields some help. Uh, it, it's a kind of a strange phenomenon that we've got a no- team with the number one pick, and they're not in the market for a quarterback, or at least they shouldn't be. But they can't. they need to upgrade one or both tackle spots. That, that's first. The offensive line is atrocious. Justin Fields is a guy that tends to hold the ball and take sacks anyways. You need to get him some better protection. 
and you need to add multiple wide receivers. The Chase Claypool pick obviously looks terrible. In hindsight, they gave up what would have been the 32nd pick in the draft for Chase Claypool. Um, But they still have the number one overall pick. They've got a second round pick. Uh, They've got their own picks. They need to go address both offensive tackle spots, add wide receivers. And I think you need to get a wide receiver in free agency as well. You can't just roll out here with rookies, especially in a wide receiver class that looks like it could be a little down compared to the last few years. You need a vet that Justin Fields can trust and rely on. I also think you want to upgrade at edge. Obviously, they traded Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick, and he didn't do much. Uh, but they they really need help up front on defense. And so if I'm the Bears as I approach this offseason, I want to keep every option on the table. I'm hosting Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud on pre-draft visits. I'm going to create smoke about Justin Fields and what we're going to do. I'm going to try to get someone to pay a king's ransom to come up for number one overall. Bonus points if it's the Texans, and you can do to the Texans – Uh, what was done to the 49ers, or not the 49ers, the Bears, uh, what the 49ers did to the Bears, excuse me, when they got got them to move up one spot to go draft Mitchell Trubisky when the 49ers weren't going to take him to begin with. So bonus points if you can get Houston to do something stupid. But at the end of the day, if no one's going to give you a king's ransom, do not be afraid to stand at number one overall and draft Will Anderson. He's going to be a generational pass rusher, I think, uh, stud player, he, he's one of those building blocks that you need in the trenches and you have so much money that you can go in free agency and work on your offense too. Now you don't pick again until the late second round. And so if you don't trade off a one, uh, obviously you can't go anything on offense until late second round, but don't be afraid. Don't overthink it. Just go get the elite player. If no one's going to give you a King's ransom. So for me, that's what I'm doing. If I'm the bears this off season, I, I'm, I'm reloading the offense and free agency. I'm trying to eliminate positions of need. uh, So I have maximum flexibility with that number one overall pick. So this segment's going to go way longer than I think either either of us thought, because I want to go back and forth um, Uh and I want to just chime in. And I agree with like 99% of what you said there. And by the way, I'm very happy that Chicago got the first pick. Just an elite tanking job by Chicago this year <laughs> to be in so many games for Justin Fields to develop and I think improve very much throughout the year while also being sure to get the first pick. And the best thing that you said, I'll, I'll touch on the one thing that I slightly disagree with, but the best thing that you said was uh, you could go ahead and trade with with Houston at number two. That's obviously genius. You should do that a hundred times out of a hundred if you're Chicago, even if you only pick up, you know a second round pick to be quite honest, because Houston's taking a quarterback. You should not be taking a quarterback. You drop back to two. What you could do then is you could do a similar trade than you would do right now at one. If, Mm -hmm. if the Colts wanted to move up for a quarterback, you could trade down again. If, you know, Seattle or Detroit or the Raiders or the Falcons, maybe, maybe the Panthers, if any of these teams want to move up, you could do it again and you're just stockpiling assets and then you can think about building around Justin Fields because I've heard a little bit of smoke being like, oh, they should just go and trade Fields and draft Bryce Young. It's like, that team stinks. The Bears are so bad. It would be malpractice to go ahead and draft a quarterback with this top pick and sit at one and not have anything around him anyway. So he's in the same situation Fields was just in. Uh, so that's definitely not the right way to play this situation, in my opinion. Uh, so, And then the thing I disagree with here. Uh, I do not think they should stay at one, almost no matter what. 
I think that they should trade for whatever the best offer is. Um, I think they have so many holes. I think they have so many things to fix, especially since they made that dumb trade uh, trading for Chase Claypool, which is now the 32nd pick of the draft. Um, It's absolutely imperative to me that they go ahead and get a couple assets here. Uh, And I mean, even if you move back to four, you're still getting one of Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, or Jalen Carter, and probably one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at that point. So um, I, I think that they should trade back at all costs, to be quite honest. All right. Cool, cool. So we're mostly on the same page with the Bears, other than I, I would stick at one if I don't get a good trade, uh, which I think they will. Uh, yeah. But I think that's the, I think the mentality you have to have is, We'll take it. We'll, 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 I'll make this pick. You make me make this pick. I'll do it uh, yeah. for negotiate, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So let's jump over to the AFC. Now the Houston Texans uh, have a head coaching vacancy. Now uh, they've got the number two pick in the draft. Mark fix the Houston Texans for me. I'll start with the head coaching vacancy. You know, I love uh, the coaching carousel more than anything else uh, in the NFL for some weird reason. I love this week uh, and the next weeks for, for, uh, for, for, interviews and hiring. I don't think that there's going to be many hires this week. So maybe next week we'll do it. I'll do my top 10 coaching candidates, uh, but I'll kind of give away some of my favorite guys here in this cycle throughout. Cause I think I have a four or five vacancies on my list, but Houston, I think they should go ahead and hire Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator from Detroit. Uh, he's been mentioned as kind of like the, the low key dark horse candidate a little bit, but the top candidates seem to be Jonathan Gannon and D'Amico Ryans. You know how I feel about defensive coordinators. I generally wouldn't want to hire them as head coaches, especially in the position Houston's in, because I think that they're going to draft a quarterback here. Um, And in my opinion, they should absolutely stay at number two and they should draft whoever doesn't get drafted between Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, get your guy for the future. And then you still have the 12th pick and the 33rd pick. It's looking like you'll have 60 plus million in cap space. Go and get a wide receiver, get an offensive lineman, get some help on the D line. I wrote some, some free agent targets down, you know, Javon Hargrave, Deron Payne, uh, Jermont Jones, the receivers, you have Juju, DJ Chark. You can get an O-lineman with Mike McGlinchey. You could go ahead and get a, a Jordan Poyer, a Byron Murphy in the secondary, Dalvin Thompson, uh, Yannick and Gakwe on the D-line. They have so much cap space. It's looking like after they make some cuts that they're going to have to spend an absolute ton of money. And that's what you should do once you go ahead and draft your future quarterback at the number two pick. So uh, it doesn't look like the Texans situation is as bleak as it's been uh, in the last couple of years, in my opinion. You're talking on mute, Shane. My bad. I should have let you know oh, faster. Sorry, I didn't even realize my <laughs> I must have bumped my microphone. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> we're we're in postseason form right now, Mark. Uh, talking on mute, <laughs> but I feel like the Texans are a team that could turn around quicker than people think. For as long as they've been a bad team, uh, obviously you've got the number two pick now. You've got a lot of draft capital. You can go make the coaching move and get that right. Which let's just say it's a disgrace that the Texans have fired a coach in back to back years with the roster that they've been given. Uh, but that's that's beyond the scope of what we're trying to talk about here. Uh, if you can get that head coaching hire right, and I love Ben Johnson as a candidate, um, if you can get that right, if you can get the quarterback right, the roster still has a lot of needs, but I think you could turn this team around quickly. And so 
They've absolutely got to make a move at quarterback. I don't know what happened to Davis Mills. He looked like maybe he could be okay, you know, mm-hmm. and last year and this year he just fell off a cliff. So you got to get those two moves right. And honestly, nothing else really matters right. in the grand scheme of things this offseason. Everyone's going to lump Cully and Lovey getting fired together because they fired two kind of older veteran head coaches after one year and back-to-back years where they're giving them terrible rosters. The one thing I will say is Coley made Mills look good, and that offense was actually humming at certain points. I think Coley got screwed. While Lovey probably got screwed, I don't think he was doing a good job. Um, they did kind of start, start to be competitive in the last month or so of the season, um, mm-hmm. but Mills really regressed, and that offense really regressed. Um, so I, I actually think that they made the right decision firing Lovey. It just looks terrible, obviously, from a PR perspective and with Coley. Uh, it, it's definitely not a great look. Okay, let's roll on to the Arizona Cardinals, who have fired Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I will have it known that this was my number one bullet point before that move was announced. It's been my number one bullet point for the last two years, though. Uh, so Cliff is gone. Steve Kime is also gone as GM. Although he wasn't fired, he quote-unquote stepped away for health reasons. He's been on an extended medical leave absence. So... Obviously, GM and head coach are big things. I'm not going to pretend that I know hot GM candidates around the NFL, so just go get a GM, whatever. Uh, But your head coaching hire is going to be Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen's done a great job working with Jalen Hurts, obviously a different type of mobile quarterback than Kyler Murray. Uh, But I'm going to bring Shane Steichen in, and I'm going to let him work with uh, Kyler Murray. We're going to try to get this offense up and rolling here. and then I'm going to focus on the interior offensive line. Like Kyler Murray, has, he's getting killed. Uh, the interior offensive line has been really bad. Their weapons aren't great, obviously, but they've invested so much into weapons. And you've got, you, you have got to finally stop drafting receivers and tight ends and running backs and build something else. So we're going to bolster the interior offensive line. They need a center and a guard, so... Uh, options abound there. You can get those guys on day two in the draft, which leaves us with a third pick in the draft. And that third pick in the draft, I either want to trade back for a haul with a, uh, this is going to become a theme maybe in this show. I want to trade back for a haul or I want to draft Will Anderson or Miles Murphy and try to bolster my pass rush. Obviously JJ Watt retiring uh, their pass rush has not been that great. And so if you could get a cornerstone piece like that at number three, if there's not a deal you like uh, to trade back from, I do think you can do a lot to fix your offensive line on day two of the draft. So, so those are my bullet points for the Cardinals. That's what I would, that's what my approach would be if I was the Cardinals ownership this off season. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything there. Uh, nothing really to, to contest there. So I'll move on to the next one here with Indy. Um, Indy should go and get Jim Harbaugh. Um, I'm not the biggest Jim Harbaugh guy, um, but his NFL record was, you know, kind of speaks for itself when he was at San Francisco. And even in college, he's had a really good record. Um, I think he's a good coach. What do I think of him as a person? I'll leave that, you know, out of it. Uh, But I, you know, it makes too much sense. I think he's from that area. He obviously was their quarterback years and years ago. He's close with Jim Ursay. He's saying he's staying at Michigan, but I think it makes a ton of sense for him to go and take this job. If they can't get Harbaugh, uh, they should go and hire a young offensive mind. If Detroit doesn't hire Ben, or if uh, if Houston doesn't hire Ben Johnson, they should take a look at Ben Johnson. 
If not, maybe you take a look at Eric B. Enemy. Maybe you be the finally be the team that that gives him that chance. Uh, and then use that mind to mold a new quarterback. The Colts have the fourth pick. They have to give up whatever it takes with Houston, or not with Houston, I'm sorry, with Chicago to get the first pick and draft a quarterback that's a long-term franchise quarterback option. They've tried too many veterans. This team isn't ready to win. Stop trying to put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Go up, get your guy. Stop waiting around for Andrew Luck. After cutting Matt Ryan and Nick Foles, you'll have close to like $50 million in cap space. Use your cap space on your needs. Use your draft capital on your quarterback. The needs are receiver, O-line, D-back. You can go out and look at the two Eagles players, uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, James Bradbury. Look at Jesse Bates. Uh, you can look at Jamel Dean, Jordan Poyer, Byron Murphy. If you're looking at O-line, you can take McClinchy, the receivers, the same ones I've been mentioning, Juju, Jacoby Myers, DJ Chark. Uh, those are kind of the guys you can take a look at in free agency if you go up and get Stroud or Bryce Young. Uh, but it definitely feels like if the Colts, if I know the Colts, uh, I'm sure they'll be taking a look at Derek Carr. Yeah, I was going to say Derek Carr is going to look great uh, in blue and silver or white or whatever <laughs> their second color is for Ugh. for the first like six weeks of the season. Yeah, um, I feel like this is the team that the Bears could hold hostage because it has never gotten more airtime. How hesitant and passive Chris Ballard has been at the quarterback position. It feels like they have to make the move. And so it feels like to me that this is the team the Bears should be holding the water gun to their head, saying, give us all of your picks. Pull the draft day. I, I want your next three first-round picks, and you can come up to one and pick the quarterback of your choice. And David Putney. Um, <laughs> uh, and then at number five, I'll, I'll move on to the next one here since they don't even have the pick. So this is a fast one. Uh, the Denver Broncos. Denver could definitely use another receiver. They could use some help on the O-line. But they might need help at quarterback, and none of those things are happening because Russell Wilson's locked in making a ton of money, and they can't fill those holes because they don't have a first-round pick or any cap space. The only thing you can do is go get Sean Payton, I guess, which is what they're trying to do. So I guess, bravo, that's what you have to do if you've got Walmart money. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I'm going to get to the Saints down at number 10, and I'll spoiler alert say that they need to trade Sean Payton, get the compensation they can and bonus points if it's to Denver. So yeah, yeah, that I love that fit and it's all you can do. And they don't have a first round pick. Can you imagine them giving up their, do they even have their second round pick? I don't even know, but can they give their second round pick for Sean Payton? They might not even draft in this draft. They'll give up next year's first. I was hearing. Oh my gosh. That would be atrocious. Uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe you do it. What's, Side sidebar, what is Sean Payton worth to be your probably, coach? Probably at least a first. Probably yeah. at least a first. I'm a Sean Payton guy, though. I think he's unbelievable. Um, the the weird thing here is you're locked into Russell Wilson for four more years. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? How much does your first round pick matter next year? Because you might be screwed for four more years. So at least try whatever it takes to try to salvage this. And the only guy available that could do that is Sean Payton. He's probably the number one guy I'd pick to try to salvage a quarterback. So um, I I think this is probably the correct decision to do whatever it takes to get Sean Payton. I don't think Sean Payton should go there. I absolutely don't think he should choose Denver. Um, but it seems like he has some interest. I mean, technically, if they cut him as a post-June 1st designation, 
he would only be a $40 million cap dead money hit in 23, 35 million in 24, 18 million in 25 and 26, 8 million in 27 and 5 million in 2028. So, you know, they got (laughs) options. They got options. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that was Denver. Let's get on to the Rams at number six, who also do not own their own pick. This one's simple. The Rams have got to realize that they are headed for a lengthy, painful rebuild. And for the love of all that is good, stop trading your first round picks. Like the the word at the deadline was that they offered to trade two first round picks for Brian Burns. And I'm not sure who's more insane, less need for offering that or the Panthers for turning that down. But stop trading your first round picks. They have not made a first round pick since the 2016 draft. They don't have a first round pick this year. They are headed for a horrible dumpster fire. The news is Sean McVay is contemplating for the second year in a row leaving football. Uh, It feels like it's a little bit of a Jenga tower with Aaron Donald, Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford. I kind of feel like if one leaves, they all do because they know what that means. Uh, The next thing I'm so I'm going to do anything I can to keep Sean McVay. And then I'm going to offer Aaron Donald a way out. He's he has contemplated retirement. He did it after the Super Bowl. I think he will retire if he has to stay in L.A. And so a team that has no draft picks, get what you can for him. Can you get a second round pick for Aaron Donald? I don't even care if you trade him in the adventure in the division. You're going to be terrible next year. Just get what you can for Aaron Donald and give him a way out. And then you got to build through the trenches. The offensive line was awful this year. And although there is not you know, a lot of positions you can go draft guys that will be impact players on day two and three. Offensive line is one of those positions. You can go draft starters in the second and the third round of the draft that will be good football players if you do it right. And so my main approach with my draft capital is I'm going to build the offensive line. Maybe you get Stafford back. Maybe you don't. I, I don't know. But if you do get him back, you've got to keep him more upright than he was this year. Yeah, I think McVay should leave. I think he should have left last year. Um, before the kind of the shine starts coming off McVay, uh, because this is a long-term rebuild, they are not going to win games anytime soon. Uh, he should have left last year, kind of like John Madden, where you leave on top and uh, everyone looks at you as a great coach forever and you, you coach for only a short amount of time. But he should absolutely go in the booth for a year or two, go make a ton of money, uh, and, and then he'll be sought after and he can basically pick his job. Um, I think that's the right move for McVay right now. Um, and you know, I don't really even know what the Rams can do, uh, to be quite honest, they're in a pretty crappy situation, uh, a team that's, I don't know what kind of situation the Raiders are in. I don't know if it's crappy. I guess it's not that bad, but the Raiders in a weird situation, I guess I should say, uh, now that they're cutting Derek Carr, it looks like they'll have, you know, a lot of money in cap space, probably like 60 plus million in cap space. Does Mark Davis have the money to spend all of it? I mean, we'll find that out. Uh, But Albert Breer reported that the Raiders will pursue Tom Brady hard. uh, And I think they should look into that. They should also probably look up into moving up from the seventh pick to go get younger Stroud. I feel like I've said that for a lot of people. Uh, I think this is probably the last person, the last team I'm saying that about, but uh, they should probably look into it. They're another team that needs to solve their quarterback situation. And I I don't know if, going out and doing a Jimmy G type move, which is their other rumored interest. I don't know if that's going to move the needle from what Derek Carr was able to do. So in my opinion, go out and get Tom Brady and do the thing or go out and, you know, 
get the guy that can be your quarterback for the next 10 years. I don't look at Will Levis that way. Uh, they could probably stick at seven and draft Levis. Uh, but in my opinion, they should go up and get younger Stroud. Uh, Vegas needs help on the O-line. They need help in the secondary. Use the high draft pick and all the cap space to fix quarterback in those two spots. You probably have a pretty good roster. You could look at the Eagles, secondary guys, Jesse Bates, Jamel Dean, Jordan Poyer, Byron Murphy, uh, Mike McGlinchey on the O-line. If you're looking at draft targets, you're looking at the top three offensive linemen with Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. If you're looking at DBs, you have Joey Porter Jr., Killy Ringo, Cam Smith, and then obviously the quarterbacks that I mentioned. Uh, obviously, quarterback will be the story of what happens with this Raiders offseason. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so let's go on to number eight here. It's the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the first thing the Falcons have to do is figure out what you're doing at quarterback. Is Desmond Ritter the guy? He's improved every game that he's played in. Unfortunately, you've only got a four-game sample size because you waited too long to put him in. So that's the first thing. They've got to decide, is Ritter their guy or not? Uh, and then once they've made that decision, don't signal your intent. If you decide you're not going to go after a quarterback because you're going to give Ritter a solid year, don't let anybody else know that because Carolina is sitting at nine and they need a quarterback. And so even if you don't want one, put up a smoke screen, make the Panthers a division rival trade up past you to expend extra capital to get the quarterback you didn't want anyways. Better yet, make them trade with you if that guy's on the clock. So uh, I don't know what they want to do at quarterback personally. Well, I wouldn't be in this situation. I would have played Desmond Ritter for 10 to 12 weeks this season, and I would have a lot better idea. But got to decide that. Uh, they are number two in cap space at $68 million. They could be in the vet QB market if they want a Derek Carr, which I wouldn't. Uh, but here's the spicy one that I like. If they don't want to ride with Ritter, I would go offer a pick, a, a pick package to the Baltimore Ravens for Lamar Jackson, a guy that the Ravens clearly – they don't, let's just be honest, they don't want to sign him to a long-term deal that that Lamar likes. And, you know, Lamar's been out for five weeks with the PCL strain. Uh, it's up in the air if he's going to play. He absolutely should refuse to step on a football field for the Ravens until they've signed him long-term. Uh, I would not play another snap in a Ravens jersey if I was Lamar Jackson. So could be advantageous. Atlanta has the cap that they could go sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, they could go get Lamar Jackson if they don't want to run with Desmond Ritter. So that's just an interesting thing uh, that I thought of. I'm not saying they should do it, but it's something we could look at. Uh, and then the biggest move I think they need to make uh, weapons-wise, or really in general beyond figuring out quarterback, is they need to go get a wide receiver too, preferably one with speed. I think Drake London uh, has proven that he's going to be a good receiver in the NFL. He is not a fast guy. Uh, obviously, you've got Kyle Pitts, who's a unicorn at tight end, but Calvin Ridley is gone. They do need a speed guy uh, for the offense. Tyler Algier was great for them at halfback. And so if they could get a wide receiver, too, with speed, they've got really good weapons for Desmond Ritter or for whomever they decide to bring in. Yeah, I, I was talking about teams that could move up in, in the draft, potentially, and to get a quarterback. And people jumped down my throat when I mentioned the Falcons because they said Ritter's the guy. I'm not so sure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do at QB. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, man, I, I'm still I'm so frustrated that they waited so long to put him out there because they really should have a much better read on the situation at, at this point. Yeah, it, it, they definitely should have been playing him all year long. 
Okay, so let's go on to number nine. It is the Carolina Panthers, uh, division rival we just talked about. Uh, they need a head coach, and I'm going to call up D'Amico Ryans. Uh, I'm not, like you said, generally I don't want to hire a defensive guy to be my head coach, but for D'Amico Ryans, and perhaps only D'Amico Ryans, I'll make that exception. Uh, what he's done with the 49ers defense is just insane. And you look at some of the young pieces that the Panthers have, they can build their defense around. They've got Brian Burns. They shouldn't have. They should have two first-round picks for him, but uh, we already covered that. They have Brian Burns. They've got Derek Brown. They've got Jeremy Chin. Like, they've got J.C. Horn. They've got some defensive pieces to build around, and I think Ryans will do a great job with that defense, putting that defense together. And then I'm going to go, you need an offensive coordinator, a good offensive coordinator, if you're going to hire a defensive head coach. So although it would be hilarious if they hired Joe Brady away from the Bills as their quarterback's coach to be their OC after they scapegoated him two years ago as their OC, that <laughs> seems unlikely. But I had to mention it because I think it'd be hilarious. Uh, he was my guy. That's like that's who I pegged at first. And then I remembered, oh, wait, they fired him two years ago. Um <laughs> So I'm going to go get Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach for the Eagles. I think he's done a really good job working with Hertz. And yeah, I'm just pilfering the Eagles coaching staff at this point. But looking around quarterback coaches around the league that you could hire to be an offensive coordinator, Johnson and Brady are the two names that jump to the top of the list. So hire Brian Johnson, make him your offensive coordinator. And then you have an extra second rounder and a fourth rounder this year from the Christian McCaffrey deal. Uh, they got no sixth or seventh round pick, which that's not a big deal. If you find a quarterback that you like, go move up from nine and take the guy. New coach, new offensive coordinator, new regime, new quarterback. If not, you've got to be heavily involved in the free agent market. You cannot roll into next year with the cesspool you've been trotting out at quarterback over the last couple of years. And that's going to be hard to do because they've only got 1.6 million in cap space right now. And obviously they'll make some moves and free some things up, but that all comes at a cost as well. So, I do think the Panthers need to draft a quarterback because they can't make a play in free agency, which is a really difficult spot to be in as a franchise. Yeah, I agree. They need to go and get their guy. They've been putting it off too long, doing the Sam Darnold, the Teddy Bridgewater, the Baker Mayfield route for far too long. Yeah. Okay. Is that a good spot for D'Amico? Yeah, it, it, I guess it is. Um, I feel like if they're going to hire a DC, it should probably just be Steve Wilkes, and they should probably just keep the, the interim coach. Um, I would. I always kind of lean OC. I always kind of lean, you know, Ben Johnson, Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore, uh, those types of guys. Uh, those are kind of the first guys that come to my mind. Joe Brady should be one of those guys, and maybe he'll get there as the Bills QB coach. Ken Dorsey, probably one of those guys. The Bills OC, if he gets hired away. Joe Brady probably becomes the OC there. Uh, I always lean offensive minds, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for the third straight NFC South team, we got <laughs> the New Orleans Saints at number 10, uh, who sit in the exact same place they did last year. They need a quarterback. They need a coach. They don't have their own first-round pick because they traded it last year, pushing the chips into the table into the middle of the table so that they could go 7-10 and 10 and miss the playoffs in one of the worst divisions that's been around in a long, long time. Um, it's time for it's time for Mickey Loomis to be realistic and realize that they are also in for a rebuild. Like you've got no quarterback, you've not got no first round pick. You hit on Chris Olave last year, so you've got a good wide receiver piece. 
no idea about Trevor Penning. He barely even played this season, but they've got to, they've got to start this thing and they've got to do it without a first round pick. So you try to get compensation for the rights to Sean Payton. We talked about that. I'd send it to Denver if I could. They're out of your conference. They're allegedly interested. Maybe you can get a second round pick or a future first. Future first would be incredible. It would allow you to, I mean, you're not doing it on purpose, but you're going to tank next year because you've got no quarterback. And then you could have two first round picks to get maybe Caleb Williams in the next year. But uh, in terms of what they could do this year, I think obviously quarterback, which is going to be almost impossible. Things that are possible are they need to upgrade at defensive tackle and defensive back. Uh, Paulson Adebo did not have the best year as CB2 for them. Uh, outside of Marshawn Lattimore, who was hurt, he only appeared in six games. Their cornerback play in generally in general was poor. Uh, Shy Tuttle, their second defensive tackle, he struggled throughout the year. So I think you need to build the interior of your defensive line and your defensive backs. Maybe you can do that on day two. And then you just buckle up because next year is probably going to be a bumpy year again for the Saints. Yeah, and trade Michael Thomas for a bag of chips. Yeah. Yeah, get Michael Thomas out of there. Anybody else? Cam Jordan. If Cam Jordan wants to go finish his career for a contender, he's got your sack record. Give him that option. Uh, I think it's time to tear it down. Yeah, I have one you could probably argue it's time to tear it down for, but I'm going to kind of kick the can down the road here. It'll be a new GM. I don't know if he wants to come in and tear it down right away. Tennessee uh, is sitting at the 11th pick. Somehow, with their average roster, the Titans are in cap hell. Um, they could theoretically save money by cutting Tannehill, but clearly Willis stinks um, and Josh Dobbs isn't much better. They don't have the money in cap to go get anybody, so you probably have to roll another year with Tannehill. Uh, use the 11th pick on an O lineman or a, or a receiver, and then use the second rounder on the other. You don't really have cap to go out and uh, you know spend money on those needs. So. Maybe you target Skaronsky, Paris Jones, Broderick, or Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones at offensive line. Maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston at receiver to add to Traylon Burks. I imagine Robert Woods, if you look at the, the cap savings on cutting him, it it's, makes a lot of sense to at least restructure or cut him. So they're definitely going to need another receiver opposite Traylon, who has showed promise at times, but he's certainly not A.J. Brown yet. So they need to kind of keep trying to figure out how to fill that hole. Yeah, Mike Vrabel does not seem like the kind of coach that would be okay with a total rebuild and just, yeah. hey, we're going to be bad this year. Um, I think it – do you remember the stories about, like, when he was a player and, and the Dolphins unveiled, like, the Wildcat, the whole Wildcat thing? No, I'm not sure if I've heard that. So he was playing linebacker when, when that happened, and – there, there, there are stories about him just like yelling at the Dolphins to play real football. And that just like nothing has ever encapsulated a head coach's <laughs> personality more. Uh, Mike Vrabel is not going to be on board with that. And I'm concerned about the Titans because when a coach wins a power struggle over a GM, they often retain roster control or it mm -hmm. sets a precedent for the next GM that you don't go against what I want or I'll get you fired too. And coaches are notoriously bad GMs. See Bill Belichick. Uh, see any other coach that's ever – see Chip Kelly. See any other coach that's ever had roster control. 
it's a bad idea. So the Titans are flirting with disaster here, in my opinion. The one thing I'll say about that is that some of the reports there are that John Robinson, the GM, was like out on AJ Brown and Vrabel was pissed about that. And they went from being really close and having the same vision to that being everything that screwed it up. So if that's the case, maybe Vrabel should be making the decisions over John Robinson. But um, yeah, we don't know if that's actually true or if that's kind of after the fact PR by Vrabel's team. But um, I, I haven't really thought about this much, but like, I feel like every year on Monday or Tuesday, whether it be Black Monday or the week after the final the final week 18, we always get one coach where it's like they've been fired or they've stepped away. And it's always like, wait, what? Like, I, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, but I feel like every year we do get one of those. What if Mike Vrabel was like, yeah, I'm thinking about stepping away. Like, I'm going to like, I wouldn't be that shocked. Yeah, that that would be a big piece to fall for sure. It's just something I thought of right now. I hadn't hadn't really thought about that before. But uh, Tennessee should want to keep Vrabel, in my opinion. I think he's still one of the one of the best coaches in football for sure. All right. So at pick twelve, although oh. they don't own their own pick, Houston yeah. has that via the Deshaun Watson deal. But Cleveland is at pick twelve. Oh, uh, I didn't realize I had four in a row here. For some reason, I thought there was. <laughs> I thought you had twelve here. Um, yeah. But yeah, Cleveland. This is a quick one. Uh, they have no money. They have no first round pick. The quarterback takes up 22% of their cap. Uh, he might be bad. And their head coach might stink. Uh, quarterback that I mentioned. Wait, 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 also... wait. You're supposed to be talking about the Cleveland Browns, not the Denver Broncos. Oh, uh, well, at least, well, I was going to say the quarterback's a bad person. I guess you okay. could say, I guess you could say that about Russ too, but much different levels. Um <laughs> Much, much. We'll, say, we'll say Russell Wilson is a weird person. I don't yeah. know if he's a bad person. He's just weird. Yeah, yeah. Corny, weird, whatever you want to throw out for Russ. Bad definitely works more for, for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't know if you can fix Cleveland. I don't – like, I was thinking about, like, maybe you fire Stefanski. I don't even think he's that bad of a coach. I don't think he's a good coach. But, like, realistically, they're going to win seven or eight games next year. And I don't think a good coach would come in and win like 11 or anything. So they're not a terrible roster. You probably shouldn't burn it down. You've committed everything to Watson. You probably have to at least keep the talent you have on the team to, to try to compete. I don't think it'll be enough, especially with the version of Watson we've seen. So you heard it here first, and I'm paraphrasing and putting words into Mark's mouth, but the Cleveland Browns are unfixable. Yeah, well, you could say that for the last how many years? 30? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the Jets, you've got the Jets as well. They ended the year on a, was it a six or seven game losing streak? Uh, just terrible. Uh, fix the Jets for me, Mark. I was, I got to be honest, I was looking at needs and uh, this team feels ready to go outside of a quarterback. If I was the Jets, uh, you know, I'd call up the Baltimore Ravens and offer, you know, your next four first round picks, maybe your ones and twos for the next two years. And you, you try to go get Lamar Jackson. I don't know if the Ravens are going for that or if they're even listening to offers. Harbaugh certainly sounds a little bit annoyed about these injuries at this point for Lamar. Uh, so now more than ever, I do kind of feel like it's possible if they flame out of the playoffs or if Lamar doesn't play in the playoffs that maybe you could convince uh, Baltimore to, to make a move. Um, maybe you call up the Bears and offer a similar package to move up and draft Bryce Young. Uh, but you've failed miserably at developing quarterbacks and you're dropping so far back in the draft. I don't know if there's appetite for that. Uh, I, I know the obvious option that everyone's brought up is trading very little for Derek Carr and beefing up your already good defense. 
And that could be the right option. I mean, Derek Carr probably does win 10 games with this Jets roster this year. I think they they won seven. So Derek Carr probably wins nine or 10 games. He's that much better than Zach Wilson, even though I'm not that in on Derek Carr. I just struggle with how bad Carr looked this year and what looked like mostly a pretty good situation uh, for for that team. So I, I'm, I struggle with being the team that goes and gets Derek Carr and, and kind of sells yourself on that. I really would go all out and do whatever it took to get Lamar. Maybe you go and trade for a rookie. Maybe you even try to approach Tom Brady. Uh, and, you know, if you get the rookie, you have, uh, you know, that, that Super Bowl window on a, on a rookie contract. If you get Tom Brady or Lamar, you're ready made to compete right away. Um, so I think you have to go home, go big or go home, kind of, if you're Joe Douglas and the Jets, um, especially in the situation Joe Douglas is in. I imagine his, his butt's a little hot on the hot seat, uh, I imagine, um, which is honestly ridiculous in some ways because I'm looking at this roster and this depth chart and even with who's coming off of it and free agents, it's really good. Like, they don't have holes. They don't really have needs. Maybe the O-line a little bit. But, like, there's not a lot you can do here uh, to, to fix this team outside of going and getting a quarterback. So if Joe Douglas has any sense of survival, I don't think he should go out and do the Derek Carr move, do the Jimmy G move. Go out and make a big splash. Go out and mortgage the future. Go out and do something to go and get your guy. For the Jets, it feels like they sit on a precipice and they need to go read all the news pieces about how Chris Ballard botched a roster that was really good by never getting a quarterback, by taking half measures at quarterback. And like you said, they need to go make a splash. Go do something. Like this team, in every way except quarterback, is ready to be an AFC contender. And quarterback was atrocious. And most GMs don't get a second chance when they pick the first quarterback and it flops, especially when it flops this fantastically. Um, You don't get that second chance. I wonder if Joe Douglas will be hesitant to draft a quarterback and that makes them a great landing spot. Like you mentioned for Lamar Jackson, I would, I would offer unreasonable amounts of picks to get Lamar Jackson from Baltimore. If I was the jets, or like you said, Call up Tom Brady and be like, hey, do you want to come back to the AFC East and rub it in Bill's face for the next year or two and win a Super Bowl? <laughs> like, Brady's vindictive. You got to think he might want to jump on board that too. But yeah, they got to address quarterback. I do think it comes via a vet, not the draft. And I really hope the move is not Derek Carr. Speaking of the Patriots and speaking of Tom Brady, I'll get to him in a second. The Pats have the most cap space. They're up next here, uh, I believe, at the 14th pick. Currently, as constructed, they have the most cap space in the AFC. Uh, and that's before dealing with some contracts they could let go at little to no penalty, like Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Trent Brown, Devin McCourty, Devontae Parker, Jalen Mills. And they have the 14th pick. It's such a weird roster. They have so many average to good players that it's hard to know who they'd want to keep and who they'd want to cut and you know, who they even value. It's just, they have a very deep roster, but it's weird. Um, I, I'm ready to say that I think the Pats will have a new QB and that I think Mac Jones will be elsewhere. And I think that's what they should do. And it's what I do. If I was in their position, I think they'll talk to Tom Brady and I would push for it. If I were both sides, to be honest, it makes so much sense. Um, Tom Brady kind of proved that he could go and win without them. I think there's probably a piece of Tom Brady dealing with the incompetence of Todd Bowles and Byron Lefwich this season, where he's like, man, 
Bill Belichick used to at least have things, you know, he had the trains running on time. Uh, you know, everything was done for me and I could just go in and do my preparation and do my TB12 uh, diet and, you know, everything else would be ready to go. And maybe sometimes I'd be unhappy about the weapons, but we'd always be prepared and the defense would always be good. And I, I think there's probably a part of him that misses that. There's probably a, a lot of Belichick, obviously, that misses having a quarterback like Tom Brady instead of a quarterback like Mac Jones. And I think Belichick would put his pride aside uh, and go ahead and and call Tom and they have the cap space to make the, make the move happen. And I'm sure Tom would take a discount to make it happen as well. Um, I, I actually think that's, that might be where we're trending. I, I think Brady is either going to Vegas to play with McDaniels. I have heard that's a tough sell with his family. Um, that that's going to be like the, the factor there that kind of stops that from happening. They still have houses in New England, so I, I think that there's a chance that, that Tom's back on the Patriots. Um, and outside of that, they've got a ton of receivers. I don't know if, if, if any of them are that good or who they even value. Jacoby Myers is a free agent. Um, they are set on interior O-line, but they definitely need at least one offensive tackle. They're extremely set um, at D-line. They probably need to address the back seven of their defense. Uh, if they're looking at free agents, you probably look at the Eagles, the Eagles secondary guys who I can just mention for everybody. By the way, those two are going to command a high, high price just by looking at these teams. This is without looking at the playoff teams. There's so many teams that need secondary help. I mean, it's just the most one of the more important positions in the entire sport at this point. Uh, and it, we always talk about it with the draft. And obviously, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's a corner as well as a safety here. So it's a little different. So he should even command more um, than a lot of people do at the safety positions. Safeties get paid. Like we're seeing the safety position is rising in value in, in terms of how it's being paid on the open market and free agency, but their draft position's not rising. People are not drafting safeties higher. In fact, it feels like the top safety falls every single year. So it's interesting to see that, you know, people value safeties once they prove they're good in the NFL, but not beforehand. So just a, a brief note, but there's a lot of good D backs out there on the market. And there's so many teams that need D-backs. Uh, and Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, if you look at any list, uh, my favorite free agency lists are always Greg Rosenthal at NFL.com. He's got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at number seven overall in terms of his free agents and James Bradbury at number eight. Um, so they're going to be sought after. Um, and that's not just that corner, that's overall. So they were the top two secondary guys he had listed. Yeah, obviously, Jamel Dean, Jordan Poyer, Byron Murphy. You could look at all those guys. Um, Patriots do feel like a a fit for Mike McGlinchey if they want to go get an offensive tackle and spend money on it. And they definitely value the offensive line and they spend more money there than, than anywhere else really. So I can see them going out and getting the top offensive tackle on free agency. Now that they have, they have money to blow and they showed a couple of years ago that they will blow money when they have a lot of it. Uh, they did it stupidly a couple of years ago and Belichick says he regrets that. So I'll be curious to see how differently he goes about it this time. Yeah. All right. Let's go to pick 15. It's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think the Green Bay Packers, uh, they have got they got a sweet talk Aaron Rodgers into coming back. Like, promise him you will spend a first-round pick on an offensive player for the first time since Vietnam, if that's what it takes. Uh, you got to get Aaron Rodgers back in the building. And then you need to address wide receiver. Like Christian Watson is coming on. He's still a little streaky. I feel like Rodgers needs a consistent wide receiver, either through the draft or free agency. If you want to get 
you know, if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls this far, or if you want to go get a vet wide receiver, tell tell Aaron, hey, go pick go pick your vet receiver on the market, recruit him here, we'll we'll pay him uh, if that's what it takes. But you need to get him a consistent wide receiver. You need to spend a pick in the first round on an offensive player for a change. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you need to upgrade an edge rusher. Like after Rashawn Gary was injured, it became very obvious they needed help. And it sucks that you spent a first round pick last year on Devontae Wyatt and you didn't even play him this year. Like he didn't play above 25% of the snaps in a game until week 16. What a travesty of a first round pick that, that they traded Devontae Adams. And then they walked into the last year with no wide receivers and they spent their first two picks on Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker. Just a complete waste of first round. Uh, you can't do that this year, but they do need some help at edge. Uh, they could use some help at linebacker. It's not as necessary, but it's got to be about getting the offense right and, and keeping Aaron Rodgers around one more year. Well, guess what? They have absolutely no money and not a lot of avenues to get there. So, yeah. Like, maybe you cut Aaron Jones and you save $11 million. He feels pretty important to, to being able to do what they want to do. Um, maybe you go all the way with AJ Dillon, who took a step back this year. I'm sure that's what they wanted to do and what they had in mind. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough situation. And maybe if the, you know, it's, it's funny and you know, they have done a poor job and obviously they should have drafted more receivers and yada, yada, yada. I agree with all of that, but it is funny that the guy that's most vocal about these problems and most upset about these problems has a $32 million cap hit next year. And his name's Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> if he's, if he's serious about wanting a receiver, restructure your deal and take $10 million less this year if you're really that serious about it. But he won't be, and he's not. And, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't expect him to be. So I just wanted to comment that because he annoys the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah, me me as well. So uh, personally, I hope the Packers don't do that. Uh, I hope Aaron Rodgers rides off into the sunset because I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers. And it'd be interesting. I don't think Jordan loves the guy. It'd be interesting to see. But uh, for the good of Packers fans, I think they got to hope Aaron Rodgers rides out at least one more year. Yeah, for sure. Okay, up next at pick 16 is the Washington Commanders. It's simple. Figure out. The, it's simple, but it's hard. Figure out the QB position. Carson Wentz clearly isn't the guy. He can't be on your roster. Sidebar, I think Carson Wentz has taken his last snap in an NFL uniform. Like, what team yeah. is going to go – give Carson Wentz a spot, a chance to be your starter after what happened the last two years. None. Would, and, and and after what you've seen him do, why would you ever bring him into your locker room as a backup? Like, I, I just think he's done. Sidebar, sidebar. Would <laughs> Doug Peterson find the strength in his heart and the warmth in his heart to, to welcome Wentz as like a backup on like a minimum deal to Jacksonville? No. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like, What's Wentz's link like on the Eagles staff? Like, obviously, he tried Reich. He probably burned any good faith he had with Reich. Although the report, the reports were that when Ursay decided they had to get rid of Wentz, um, you know, Reich was saying he could still fix Wentz even after the Colts season. So maybe if Reich went somewhere, if he's an OC somewhere, maybe that team, if they have like a setup quarterback, they'll give him a backup job. What if Reich's the OC in Philadelphia next year? Yeah, so I don't think Carson Wentz will be back up here, to be uh, to be fair. Um, but, uh, you know, Press Taylor's in Jacksonville. They're, they're still apparently close friends. Press, I, I think my guess will be 
that Wentz will sign with Jacksonville as a backup for like a million dollars and we'll all kind of laugh about it and be like, man, Wentz and Doug back together. Back together. That's, yeah. that's my joke. Uh, then, but then, then he can have his chance to be the backup quarterback that comes off the bench and wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go for Doug. That yeah, there you go. That that's that's full circle. If that um, ever happens, they will make a thirty for thirty about it immediately. Uh, they won't even wait five or ten years. It'll be like the next day we're filming this thing. They should make a full on movie. And and by the way, I'll just say uh, that I'm now looking at the cap space. I mean, they can save twenty six million by getting rid of Wentz. So that's obviously mm-hmm. happening just by cutting him. So um, and then you save. Uh, there's a lot of other savings. You could have a lot of cap space if you're Washington. I'm not the Derek Carr guy, but they don't have the, the, the avenues to move up for a guy this year, Washington, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I think Washington's the team that makes sense for Carr. Uh, I think yeah. if you're Washington, go and go and do the Derek Carr thing. Maybe you can convince yourself that it'll work out. You do have a lot of pieces on offense. Like If Wentz would have been 2021 Wentz this year, I think they probably would have made the playoffs, um, but that's not what happened. So I think if I've heard a spot that I actually do like for Derek Carr, it's this one. Yeah. You, you think about like, obviously Wentz is gone. Heineke's not the guy he's fine to have as a backup. He's not your starter. Is Sam Howell the guy? I don't think so. I mean, he played okay yesterday. He shouldn't stop you from addressing quarterback and, and you nailed it. Like you have, you know, you've got Brian Robinson at running back. You've got Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, which is a good duo of wide receivers. Like, this is the place that I think Derek Carr could make sense. Ron Rivera does not want to deal with a rookie quarterback. He wants to bring a vet in, I think. So I think that's the most likely outcome. Now, will it work? I don't know. Both the Eagles and the Cowboys look really good. Is that going to push you over the top for the division? I don't think so, but it's at least a start if you're not going to be able to get up and get a quarterback this year, which would be really hard from 16. Uh, quarterback aside, I think you need to upgrade your offensive line. That was a problem this year. But. And s- sacks are partially a QB stat, and Wentz and Heineke don't do you favors there, but the offensive line was not great, and, and you need to address that. And then you need to upgrade your linebackers. Uh, Jamin Davis has been an awful waste of a first-round pick from mm-hmm. two years ago. He ended this year on IR, uh, so you need linebacker. Now, you don't do that in the first round. That's a day-two thing, but uh, – Upgrade your off. If you're going to go do a deal for Carr, spend the 16th pick on an offensive lineman and look to linebacker help on day two. Two things. One, didn't me and you hate that Jamin Davis pick and Dives kind of liked it? Yes. I, well, I remember I hated it. I don't remember what Dives thought about it. I was just throwing that shot at Dives. I do kind of yeah. remember he liked Jamin Davis. He was talking about him a lot at the time. Um, I, I, re- I very much remember me and you being like incredulous when that pick was announced. Um, but Part two, if I had Washington, I would have had Fire Ron Rivera as my my number one uh, thing on that list. He is a travesty, in my opinion. Three winning seasons out of 13 now, Ron Rivera. I, I think like you're committing to mediocrity um, when mm-hmm. you have Ron Rivera as your head coach. Yeah, I think they're going – I don't think they're going to do that, which I guess this is how do you fix your franchise, not a what do you think they'll do. Yeah, I don't um, think they will either. You're right. So, yeah, I, I, I guess that's true. I, I think – I think that makes sense, um, especially if you can go get uh, the Bills' offensive coordinator. I don't think Eric Bieniemy is going to get a shot. I think he's had been passed over so many times, and there's been some smoke. I feel like with some players not liking him and stuff. But 
you want to go to the Bills, grab their offensive coordinator or something like that. What, what's his – I'm blanking on his name. Ken Who's Dorsey. Dorsey, yeah. Uh, I kept wanting to say Brady, and it's not Brady. But, yeah, if you want to go get a guy like Dorsey or something like that, I think that could make sense, uh, especially if you were to get a, a rookie quarterback or even just bringing in a vet. Uh, it's always good to have that infrastructure in place on your staff. I, you're probably right on the B enemy thing, whatever that is. It's one of the weirder things of all time that he won't get a job. But I, I think if he ever is going to, the Chiefs completely redid their offense without Tyreek Hill. Like, I think that they actually, mm-hmm. he had to be creative this year, um, more so than the years before. So um, I, I really do think he deserves a shot, but, uh, you know, he probably won't get one. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to Pittsburgh at 17, who we buried the lead, Mark. For like the fourth time in five years, Mike Tomlin does the best coaching job of his career to end with not a winning record. And they get to nine or to end with not a losing record. He gets to nine and eight this year. We didn't think it was possible. Uh, They made it there. Now they sit at pick 17. What are they going to do with that pick? Or not just that pick. What are they going to do with this offseason? Yeah, I, the Mike Tomlin thing is is interesting that he just continues to to outperform expectations when I think there was a long time where he was probably underperforming um, expectations and winning nine or ten games when people thought he should have been winning much more than that. Um, craziest stat of football year is that they the, the Steelers were eight and two in games that TJ Watt played and they were one and six in games that TJ Watt missed. I think that that proves and they were also, I believe, eight and four in games that Kenny Pickett played. Um, So I I think that that proves that the Steelers probably were a top 10 team this year, and they probably are one of the, you know, seven best teams in the AFC. I think if the Steelers, if the Bills had to play the Steelers, it would be a much tougher matchup for them than the Dolphins at this point. Um, And I think you could even make the same argument for the Bengals that I think I'd rather face the Ravens than the Steelers at this point. I, I think I'd probably rather face the Jags than the Steelers at this point. So I think the Steelers are, are in a really good spot for next year roster-wise, and it's pretty simple on how you improve the team. You beef up the O-line, you hire a new offensive coordinator, and I think this team wins 11-plus games. They traded Claypool for the Bears' second-round pick, which is now the top pick of the second round, clocking in at 32. They have their own pick at 17. They've been aggressive on moving up in the past, um, and, and even for non-quarterbacks, and they now have an extra second at their disposal. Uh, I think that that's possible that they could make a move up if they see a guy that they uh, want at one of their needs. They've, you know, they have a luxury of being set at head coach, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, and you have an excellent front seven and a top safety in Minka Fitzpatrick. Your needs are pretty clear, and you know what they are. And you have two offensive linemen. Maybe you mix in a corner. Maybe you trade up to go get your no-doubt left tackle of the future in Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, or Broderick Jones. Maybe you mix in a safety to help out Minka on the other side if you don't want to keep Edmonds around. Um, so there's a lot of choices to make for Pittsburgh. But your choices are pretty limited because you don't have that many needs. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what Pittsburgh does at 17. Um, I, I think that it probably would make a lot of sense at 17 to go ahead and get an offensive lineman to help out Kenny Pickett if I had my pick there. Yeah, uh, I think step one is just get rid of your offensive coordinator. Mike McDaniel should be imprisoned for crimes against humanity. You said Mike McDaniel. Oh, my gosh. Uh, No, 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 no. 
No, no, nobody Matt clipped Canada. that. Nobody clipped that. That's not what we meant. Mike <laughs> McDaniel should be built a monument. <laughs> My, Matt Canada should be in prison for crimes against humanity. And apparently I should too for uh, mixing up those names there. But yeah, Canada's got to be gone. Uh, and then, I mean, I'm not sold on Pickett, but you drafted him in the first round last year. Build around the guy. It's not like you're going to do anything different at quarterback anyways. Like you said, offensive line has got to be a big focus uh, for this team. And so yeah, that brings yeah. us to Detroit, uh, who heartbreaking for Detroit fans. I don't know, though. Are they heartbroken? Like you won two, you won your last two games. The needle is definitely pointing up one eight of your last 10. Uh, you get to nine and eight. You have the sixth overall pick and the 18th overall pick in the draft. The sixth round pick, obviously, courtesy of the Matt Stafford trade. Um, so heading into this offseason, you need to revamp the defense. Your defense was bad this year. Um, you need help at cornerback. Jeffrey Akuda has played well. He bounced back, but outside of him, there's not a lot. You need help at corner. You need help at linebacker, defensive tackle. There's moves all over the defense that you can make to help. I think it's imperative that the Lions make a quarterback move as well. Mm. You do not want to be stuck with Jared Goff. And you're not going to have a top six pick again next year. It's just not going to happen. You're probably, even if you don't make a quarterback move, you're probably a 9-10 win team next year again with Jared Goff. And so it might be crazy to say, go get a quarterback, but he's not your guy. He's not going to win a Super Bowl for you. And so uh, if there's someone that you like, go make a move and go get them. You have the capital. You have more capital than anybody else to go do so. If there's not a guy you like in this year's draft, that's fine. Trade out of six, trade back in the first round and get a first round pick next year. Do what the Eagles did this year when they weren't sure about Jalen Hurts. They traded out of one of those picks to the Saints. It wound up top 10, which was better than expected by Saints fans, at least. It's about what we expected, but give yourself two picks next year to be in on the Caleb Williams sweepstakes if you're not in on a guy this year. But You've got to acknowledge that you're going to need to make a quarterback move. Don't Chris Ballard this and think we can build a good enough roster <laughs> that the 25th best quarterback in the NFL, we can win a Super Bowl with him. The retreads aren't going to work. Uh, so make a decisive move at quarterback, whether it be kicking the can down the road one more year, which I'm fine with, but do not stand at six and 18 and make two selections and neither of them be a quarterback. You will regret it down the road. Keep Jared Goff. I'm I'm leading the bandwagon at this point. I don't think they should make a QB move. Um, I, I don't hate the idea of trading back uh, from six. Um, I actually think the perfect fit for Detroit, the best fit is Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, the tight end. Um, he's looking like a top 10 to 15 prospect. They have six. I have Michael Mayer ranked seventh, but if you trade back a couple spots, you pick up Michael Mayer. He's basically, in my opinion, he's going to be a better version of TJ Hawkinson. Um, so you plug him right into the role that you just traded Hawkinson from. Um, and you, I think that that offense will be even better with him. And then you help your defense with whether that be a linebacker uh, or whether that be someone in the secondary. I think their D line's pretty good. Um, so you're probably focused on the back seven there for Detroit. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I think if you use those two picks, your second round pick and the cap space you have, it's looking like they'll have 50 plus million dollars of cap space. Um, and then you also have 
uh, you have to make a decision on DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. You probably aren't going to pay both of them. So you probably pay whichever one you can get a better deal on, to be quite honest. Um, you keep one of those guys around. That'll eat into your cap a little bit. But with that cap space, with those three high picks, you should be able to solve um, the problem of tight end, linebacker, and secondary. And I think you could convince yourself, if you solve those holes correctly, that this team could convince that could convincingly compete to go to the Super Bowl next year. Like that's how high I am on this mm-hmm. Lions roster. Um, if you make the right moves and if you have yet another, you know, home run of a draft. Also, just go trade for Lamar Jackson. He whispers into yeah. the microphone. Yeah. Well, hmm. I'm trying. Fun. To- funny thing. This is not realistic, but I don't know. Imagine if they called up the Rams and were like, hey, Sean McVay <laughs> just left. You guys traded Aaron Donald. You're done. You're going to rebuild. We'll give you a second round pick for Matthew Stafford. I'm out. Bring our, bring our boy home. No, I, that, that wouldn't happen. And I, I don't think that's better. Yeah, that's not that's not a move you make. It would be funny, though, if he came back to Detroit uh, after the two year stint in L.A. But I uh, saw... Lamar, I could be in on Lamar to Detroit. But ultimately, I feel like they're probably I, I kind of love the idea of if they don't like one of these quarterbacks, just trading back and kicking that can down the road for a first next year. Along those Stafford lines, it's just because it's funny that I, I saw someone saying this on Twitter. Um, if Matthew Stafford was truly a Detroit guy and truly loved Detroit, he would have came back for the Rams in week 18 and played against Seattle and tried to beat Seattle. So Detroit would have had a chance to go to the playoffs. Yeah. Shame on Stafford. Can you imagine though? That, that would have been a great story if Stafford came back and helped out the lions. And it's like, see, I, I went and won my Super Bowl. And now I'm helping you guys. You, you guys get to make the playoffs. That would have been or- or what if that was his mentality? What if he was like, I love Detroit and I want to go help him. And he came back and he threw four picks. And then everybody would be like, oh, Stafford just did that because he hates Detroit. Yeah, and he wanted yeah, revenge. Yeah. And he'd be like, no, that's not what I was trying to do. But, yeah, that's funny. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That is our fixing your franchise uh, for those 18 teams. We won't be talking about you guys much for the next month and a half, but wanted to leave you guys with something before we get into playoff stuff. So now real briefly, an hour and 21 minutes into the podcast, he says, we're going to take a look at the playoff matchups and real briefly preview uh, each of these games. We'll do more in-depth previews and reviews starting next week. So on the NFC side, we have the Eagles as the one seed with the bye. The number two seed, San Francisco 49ers, host the number seven seed, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, San Fran swept the season series. They are on a 10-game winning streak, while Seattle is 3-5 and five since Week 10. Um, the only thing that I think makes this game noteworthy is it is a divisional rematch, and strange things can happen in divisional rematches, uh, playing a team for the third time, all of that. So in terms of teams that could go beat the 49ers, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think the Seahawks have a chance to make things kind of crazy uh, just for the fact that they know the 49ers so well, the 40 or Seattle does have a bad run defense though. They're 30th in the NFL and run D San Fran. You got to imagine is going to lean heavily on the run with Brock Purdy making his first playoff start. Uh, give me the 49ers in this one. Yeah. 49ers should win here by a lot of points. Um, I will say uh, Eagles fans put on your Seahawks jerseys, put on your Seahawks hats. 
Uh, everyone cheer your hearts out for Seattle, not only to, to knock out San Fran, but I, I would much rather face Seattle than any of the other options in the second round uh, if I'm the Eagles. So maybe, you know, we don't root for injuries on this show uh, whatsoever. But if Brock Purdy goes down, I don't even know who the backup is for the 49ers. Uh, Josh Johnson, is, I think that's who it is, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, so maybe maybe Purdy goes down and Seattle finds a way to win this game, and then we get to face Seattle in the second round. Uh, that not I'm not rooting for the Purdy to go down thing. I am rooting for Seattle to figure out some weird way uh, to win this game. Maybe it's would it even matter if he goes down? Like I'm convinced at this point that Kyle yeah. Shanahan yeah. is like playing Madden with a remote control on the sideline, controlling his quarterback. Like it is. Kyle Shanahan with Joe Blow off the street is like the ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth best quarterback in the NFL. It's yeah. just crazy. It's like those Madden tournaments that you hear about where like the guy puts in Tress Way as his quarterback because he's got like 87 speed and he's only like 42 overall at quarterback. And he's like, oh no, I'm gonna win the Madden Bowl here. Like that's yeah. that's what Shanahan's doing. Yeah. Okay, Wait, real the- quick. Oh, yep. Nope. Real quick, just because I was talking about this, and neither of us really gave Jimmy G to any teams, um, which that's going to happen. Um, I, I guess I should say Washington. Um, we mentioned Derek Carr should take Jimmy G, or, or we mentioned Washington should take Derek Carr. They should probably look into Jimmy G as well. Kind of similar options. Um, they should probably go get one of those two guys. Um, but what do you do if you're San Fran at quarterback? I imagine you let Jimmy G walk. You're not going to pay him um, when you have Purdy and Lance on the roster. I guess do you just wait to see what happens here in the playoffs with Purdy and you keep Purdy and Lance? Like, I don't know what you do at all. Yeah, I mean, I think you keep them both and they're both on rookie deals. So you hope Lance is healthy and he can be the guy and you feel really good about Brock Purdy as a backup. So, Wow. So I kind of feel like it'd be the opposite, though. I feel like Purdy at this point, would get the first chance and it'd be like, Oh, well we have, we have Lance as like a high upside backup. If Purdy doesn't work out at that, like, I feel like Purdy at this point, unless it flames out miraculously in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they traded up so much to go get Trey Lance. And so to give him a shot of a few games and then he gets hurt. I don't know. I, he, I feel like he's your guy, but I mean, if Purdy goes on a run in the playoffs here, then so be it. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely going to be interesting to see there. I just wanted to mention that. Okay, uh, three seed, the Minnesota Vikings host the sixth seed, which is the New York Giants. The Fraud Bowl. For, the Fraud Bowl. For the Vikings, offensive tackle Brian O'Neill and interior offensive lineman Austin Schlotman are on IR now. Center Garrett Bradbury hasn't played since week 13. Do we really trust Kirk Cousins playing behind a Swiss cheese offensive line in a playoff game? At you know the Giants' run D isn't very good, but the Vikings might not be able to take advantage with their offensive line. The Vikings' defense also isn't very good. Uh, I I kind of feel like the Giants are going to win this one, but I do have a question for you, Mark. Who would you rather have as your QB in this game, Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones? Kirk Cousins, pretty easily. Um, for See, me, I think I would rather have Daniel Jones, just because of the mobility. Yeah, he gives you some mobility, and he's. He's playing decently this year. Uh, I feel like higher floor versus we know what Kirk Cousins' floor is in big games. So I I think I would take Daniel Jones. I've seen too many bad Daniel Jones games to agree on the high floor thing. I generally agree on the mobility thing. 
um, giving you a high floor, but I feel like Daniel Jones kind of like somehow transcends that a little bit, although he is playing the best football of his career right now, for sure. Um, I would still take Cousins. I, I think Cousins, the upside with Cousins is is pretty high. Like when he does play well, it's at a pretty high level. Um, I, I Every time I have a definitive opinion on this game, my brain kind of swings the other way. I, I do think Dable is such a good coach. And in my head, I kind of have this set as a pick em. So then when I saw Vikings open as a three-point favorite, I immediately went to kind of, I, I kind of looked at the Giants plus three, and I kind of liked that bet. The more I kind of sat on it, the more I've kind of thought about it. I'm kind of talking myself into the Vikings. I'm kind of talking myself into the Vikings offense, just having too many pieces with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and TJ Hawkinson, who I've never been a huge fan of, um, but has really fit in well there. Uh, Dalvin Cook's been disappointing this year, but it's playoff time. They were kind of conserving him a little bit down the stretch, giving him less carries than usual. Um, O'Connell, we're going to find out a lot about what he's made of here, especially in this game. The winner of this game has no chance to win the next game that they play in, in my opinion. I don't care if it's Dallas. I don't care if it's San Fran. I don't care if it's Philly in, in the Giants case. The winner of this game will not win another playoff game. It is the Fraud Bowl. Uh, but I can't quite figure out who's more of a fraud here uh, between the Giants and the Vikings, but we'll definitely find that out this weekend. I lean ever so slightly Vikings, um, but since it's a pick em, if I was making a gambling pick on it, I'd probably go Giants plus three just to have the just to have the field goal, especially with these two teams where it seems like half their games are decided by field goals. Yeah. Okay, number four, Tampa Bay hosts the number five seed, the Dallas Cowboys. Tampa Bay has not won – or let me rephrase this. Tampa Bay has won one game by more than 10 points this season. You want to guess who it was against? <laughs> it's against this... the Dallas Cowboys in week one <laughs> when they beat them by 19 in Dallas. Uh, now they will host Dallas in the playoff game. Uh, Dak Prescott's thrown 11 interceptions in the last seven weeks. Uh Brady, two weeks ago, he threw for 432 yards against the Panthers. He didn't play a ton in week 18. Uh, Mike Evans had 207. Chris Godwin had 120 in that week 17 game. Uh, this is a battle of styles. feel like the Cowboys want to score a lot and they want to win shootouts because their defense is banged up and generally not very good. Meanwhile, the Bucks are going to play slower because uh, they got a 58-year-old quarterback. So, um now that's not true, but they're more of a grinded out sort of team because they're devoted to just running the ball when there's nothing there to begin with. I have gone back and forth on this game so many times. Um, part of me feels like the Cowboys are destined to choke in this playoff game. Part of me feels like the Buccaneers are just an awful football team. I honestly don't know which way to go on this one. I'm going to say Dallas wins this one. But I wouldn't at all be surprised if the lights are too bright for the Cowboys again and Tampa finds a way to get this one done. I'm officially not taking the Dallas Cowboys seriously until they win a second-round game. That game they played against the Commanders just not being talked about enough for how pathetic it was. I know it didn't really matter, but it mattered. They In their heads, before the game, it mattered. Like They came out mm -hmm. and played everybody, even deep into the blowout. Um you know, Dak Prescott played one of the worst games I've seen a quarterback play all year. Definitely the worst game of his career um, against the Washington Commanders, who have a good defense, but it's not like a, you know, they're not the 85 Bears. So um, I have some severe concerns about where this Cowboys team is right now. Obviously, they they 
kind of kept it way too close for the Titans team that was resting their entire team. They kept it way too close for the Texans team that was re- that was you know was basically tanking. Uh, the Eagles could have won that game had a couple things going a little bit differently with Gardner Minshew, who then came out the next week uh, after dropping 34 points on the Dallas Cowboys. He couldn't, you know, he, he dropped 10 on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so I, I think all signs are pointing to the Cowboys running out of gas down the stretch here. And it, they were a team that I was putting in the top six all year long. I think what I've seen for the last month or two tells me that Dallas is not in that top tier anymore. And I think it's destiny. It is absolute destiny for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to stink all year long and for Tom Brady to come out and win a 23-20 to playoff game at home against Dallas and for the Dallas Cowboys to be the joke of wildcard weekend. I have a question for you, Shane. Mm-hmm. Is it worth the hilariousness of Dallas losing to an AARP member in Tom Brady? Is it worth, you know, how fun that will be for them to go ahead and fire Mike McCarthy inevitably and hire Sean Payton? Oof. Yes. Live in the moment. It'll be hilarious. I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Live for the memes. Yeah. Yeah, since uh, since going on a podcast and insulting Jalen Hurts, uh, Micah Parsons I'm talking about here, the Cowboys lost to the Jaguars, uh, barely beat the Eagles' backup quarterback, struggled against the Titans who rested all of their starters and then got blown out by Washington. So they're not exactly uh, sprinting into the playoffs at full strength. Yeah, the only team in the NFC that is sprinting into the playoffs at full strength is the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe you could make an argument for the for the New York Giants. Um, I probably wouldn't make that argument. Well, they're um, sprinting. They're sprinting in at full strength. It's just what their full strength is is much lower than most yeah, teams. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, for everyone freaking out about where the Eagles are at, and I was there last week. Um, I kind of feel like I feel a little better because I think all of the other teams are in kind of similar holding patterns, waiting for the playoffs to start. Yeah. Okay, let's flip it over to the AFC quickly. Kansas City has the bye. Uh, The number two seed is the Buffalo Bills hosting the number seven seed, the Dolphins, in another divisional rematch. They split in the regular season. Uh, Tua is still in concussion protocol after missing the last two games. Teddy missed week 18 as well. Uh, Assuming Tua doesn't play, the Bills are going to win this game easily. As long as Josh Allen avoids turnovers, uh, which has been a problem from time to time, but I think the Bills win this game, and I don't think it's probably that close. Yeah, the Bills probably win this game if Tua plays, and if Tua is himself and is you know looks like he's you know fully cognizant, then I, I think the Dolphins could give them a close game because they have twice. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Bills are going to win this game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, three versus six is another divisional rematch. These are all over the place this year. Cincinnati at Baltimore. They hate each other. Uh, this is gonna. This is my favorite game that I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, Cincinnati has won eight straight games, excluding the Monday Night Football game that wasn't finished. Uh, the Ravens don't know if Lamar Jackson will play. If he does, it'd be the first time in six weeks. Um, somebody, I saw a deal floating around talking about how that injury has been talked about uh, by their coaching staff and talking about you know he was day to day, and then it was days to weeks, and then it was weeks, and then it was by the end of the season, and then it was. I don't know. And then I don't want to talk. I'm not going to talk about that. So uh, 
who knows what's going on with Lamar. Lamar, by the way, should absolutely refuse to step on the field for the Ravens. I would not. I would refuse to step on the field for them. I wouldn't play for them next year if they franchise tagged me. If you want me to play for your football team again, you're going to sign me to a six-plus-year deal worth hundreds of millions of dollars or I'm out. Um, so franchise tag me. I'm not showing up if I'm Lamar Jackson. And I do think that factors in to this equation. I think Lamar is being very hesitant to get back on the field and, and rightly so. And if Lamar doesn't play, the Bengals are going to cakewalk through this game. If Lamar plays, I still think the Bengals win. They're, they're a hot team right now. It would be Lamar coming back off of injury and he just doesn't really have the weapons to work with. So I'll take the Bengals in this one. Uh, the how close of a game it is depends on Lamar playing or not. No matter what, the Bengals win here. Even if Lamar plays, I'll be betting on the Bengals to cover a spread as a favorite. Um, I think the Bengals roll here. Um, I've kind of bemoaned the problems the Ravens had team-wide even when Lamar was playing um, this year. We'd see the Ravens go up 24-3 to and lose the game. It happened way too many times. So uh, I, I just don't believe in this Ravens team, and I do believe in this Bengals team. Everyone knows I'm a gambler. Bengals went 12-4. and against the spread this season. Um, and they are now 23 and three against the spread in their last 26 games, which is an absolutely historic gambling run. Uh, so the gambling community thanks the Cincinnati Bengals. And I thank the Cincinnati Bengals because when they were five and four, I placed a future on them to win the AFC at plus 1200, which I believe now sits around plus 300 plus 400 in that range. Nice. Okay. Our last game. The number four seed is the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the five seed Los Angeles Chargers. Mark Brandon Staley's a moron. Absolute moron. Yeah. Locked into the five seed. Win, lose, doesn't matter. He played his starters. And Mike Williams, who has already missed four games this year, injured his back and had to be helped off the field. Joey Bosa, who's missed 12 games this year, got hurt in the second quarter and didn't return. And after all of that, he kept Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler in until the fourth quarter. And it's not a knock the rust off thing. This guy, he does not play starters. Justin Herbert doesn't play in the preseason. This was basically a preseason game. They threw a screen pass in the fourth quarter with Chase Daniel to Keenan Allen. I, just mind-boggling stupidity. Keenan Allen, who's Taylor. made of glass. Yeah, yeah. Mind-boggling stupidity from the Chargers. And it makes me want to just say, it makes me want to just pick the Jaguars and hope the Chargers lose and Brandon Staley gets fired. But uh, this is a game that's going to be hard for me to know. You know, the Chargers were my preseason pick. I love Justin Herbert, obviously big Jacksonville fan with Doug Peterson there now. So uh, Jacksonville has won six of their last seven, and they've won it in different ways. Uh, Lawrence has some 300-yard passing games. Travis Etienne has a couple of 100-yard rushing games. They've only given up seven points per game in the last three weeks uh, combined. And you look at what they did against the Titans, where the offense struggled and the defense stepped up. The Chargers have a shoddy run defense. They're ranked 27th in the NFL uh, in yards per game. They're ranked 32nd in the NFL in yards per carry. And so I do think that Travis Etienne will have a chance to go off in this game. I think he'll have a chance uh, – to, to put the team on his back of Trevor Lawrence struggles. Uh, I obviously think their, their defense hopefully can step up against a chargers passing attack that really struggles with Joe Lombardi. Uh, the Jags won 38 to 10 in week three at home, but 
it was not the same teams that are going to be meeting in the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to pick I, – I, man, I've, I've really struggled with what I'm going to pick on this one, but I'm going to take the Jags. I think the Jaguars, they're going to get it done for Dougie P. Uh, they're going to win and set up a beat down at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs on divisional weekend. Mark, are you still there? I can't hear you if you are. So a little bit of technical difficulties there. We lost Mark. He popped back in. Um, not able to hear him here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap the show up here. Um, so there you have it, guys. We recapped some of the most relevant Week 18 games. Went through fixing the franchise and now a brief playoff preview. Uh, we will be back next week, probably in our normal time slot on Tuesday nights, where we will break down the wild card weekend action and we'll preview the divisional round action. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us for episode number 87 of Chalk Talk. Uh, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, smash that subscribe button, turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at half and half underscore TPL. He is at Mark Henry Jr. I'm on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. This podcast live streams there as long as various all 22 content that I put out. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, happy playoff season from me from Mark and from the Painted Lines. We will see you guys next time.